Hello and welcome to Nitty Gritty Reviews, the movie review podcast that uses a unique grid rating system to discuss a movie's weaknesses and celebrate its strengths. I'm Rachel and my co-host for this mini-episode is Tristan. Hi everyone. So today we're going to be picking apart the writing characters category of the grid by defining each of the five subcategories and giving some examples of movies that we would award high scores to. Keep an eye out in the coming weeks for more mini episodes talking about each of the 10 categories of the grid. We'll also have a mini episode summing up phases one and two of the Marvel Monday series before the official launch of season two on Monday, January 7th. So with with all of that uh, out of the way, I guess we should just kind of jump on into talking about writing characters. Is there anything you want to say right off the bat before we jump into the subcategories? Um, I knew what movie I would choose as a bad example of writing characters instantly. All right. I'm curious to know what that is. It'll be a little while before we get to that, though. <laughs> all right. All right. So the first... Uh, subcategory within writing characters is going to be character inner needs. And essentially the way I define this is what do the characters need to learn or understand in order to grow or change? And you can get into all kinds of different uh, interpretations of this as far as is it a tragedy or a happy ending? Do they meet their inner goal? Do they not? Do they grow and change? Do they stay the same? There's a lot of different directions you can take it in to still get a high score, for me at least. But as long as it's done well, as long as a character has a inner need, and if they don't meet it, that needs to come across as a tragedy. If they do meet it, that's a triumph. Um, even if it doesn't match up with their outer goals, there's a lot of different, um, you know, different ways that this can go as far as, um, you know, still getting a high score. Right. Um, but that said, what is a movie that you would give uh, a high score, ideally a perfect 10, if you've got one in the bank, for uh, character inner needs? It would be the movie Her. All right. Good pick. Good pick. You want to elaborate on that? <laughs> I don't think I need to. <laughs> but yeah, uh, like that's a, such a big part of that movie is uh, the main guy sort of learning how to love again, I guess, or learning that he can love again. Absolutely. As well as the OS learning to be herself. They both have a lot of uh, changing and growing that they do. And that's a, a really big part of that movie. Absolutely. That is a really solid pick. I couldn't agree more. Uh, except that's not what I put for mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my pick for this one is actually a comedy, which I feel like comedies tend to get overlooked particularly in the writing they don't usually focus on characters so i particularly appreciated this one for focusing so much on characters and the the more emotional side of character growth inner needs all of that which usually just gets brushed aside for comedic effects right in a comedy but bridesmaids okay that movie is so much about the character of annie and her just emotional growth as far as learning to take responsibility for her own life and learning to kind of, uh, you know, stop blaming others for, for her misfortunes and, and just take control of her life. And I actually find it to be a really empowering movie. Like a lot of people, when it first came out, I, I knew several people that were like, oh, it was just so depressing. It was just about this girl and all this bad stuff happened to her. I'm like, you missed the point. Like, I mean, yeah, like bad things happen to her and it's a comedy. So you're supposed to think it's funny, even though it's kind of sad, but like, she right. grows, she changes, she learns. Her life is better by the end of the movie, not by circumstances, but because she grew up. Um, yeah. And I just love it. And and I think that movie, particularly in the writing, I think it's 
a really strong screenplay. And I mean, it's a ridiculous, silly comedy. It's a raunchy comedy, but it's a really strong script. It's it's really good. So that was that was my pick for character inner needs. Okay, that's a good one. Thank you. All right, so then that's going to bring us to the second subcategory, which is going to be character development. And I define this one by uh, basically just how many dimensions do these characters have? <laughs> are they super flat one-dimensional or are they three or four or five-dimensional? That's probably a thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Sure. So uh, what was what was your pick for this one? This, this is, Well, I asked that and then I realized I should explain a little more. This is definitely another one that can be taken in, in a lot of different directions as far as, as interpretation. Because I do think there are a lot of movies... Uh, where the characters are intentionally one-dimensional and it works really well. Right. Uh, so it's not necessarily more dimensions are good and fewer dimensions are bad. It's how do you use the dimensions you're using and why are you using those dimensions? That was kind of an introduction to, to my pick, I guess, because mine goes along those lines. But what was your pick now that I've side-railed the conversation? Uh, well, I thought of a movie, but then I thought of a TV show that's even better. So I don't know which one you want to hear. Uh, let's hear them both if we've got time or, or say them both and explain the one that you okay. prefer in more detail for the movie I chose I Tonya. okay I was considering that one actually uh, and I don't know how much of that is because it's sort of like an unreliable narrator and how much is that she really was an interesting complex person I'm sure both um, yeah yeah so that one jumped out to me but for the TV show I chose The Office especially Michael Scott I don't know how they do it, but that guy says like some of the most, some of the worst things that someone can say, and he does some <laughs> of the most cringiest things. But then at other times, you just end up liking him, and it's it's really he's not like the evil boss or I, I don't know. He's just a weird mix, and it somehow works. That's a really good pick. I keep forgetting about TV shows. I think I might change my dialogue answer, but we'll get to that in a bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a really good pick. Um, for my pick, I did Inside Out, which I think is a really interesting okay. example of character development. So we're talking about, you know, how many dimensions do these characters have? Well, every character in that movie has exactly one dimension. Like They that's are true. angry, disgusted joy, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not going to list all of them, but like that's by their definition, they have one dimension and yet it makes a really compelling movie with interesting characters that you root for, even though you can pretty much predict exactly what everyone's going to do because right. they are one dimension. They are one thing. So I thought that was a movie that did uh, a really interesting job of character development with archetypes and, and really basic characters and, huh. and crafting something really interesting out of it. That's true. And, I, and I'm not, I should also say, I'm not typically the biggest Pixar fan. Like, if I'm going to watch a movie with a kid, sure, I'll probably pick a Pixar movie, because who wouldn't? Like, yeah, they're, they're the best kids' movies out there, but they're also kids' movies. <laughs> I mean, very well-crafted story. I'm not going to, like, poo-poo something, because it's made for kids. Right. Like, I mean, I love Marvel. Those are not quite kids' movies, but adjacent to that. Sure. But I don't know, it's just not... Not my go-to, not on the top of my list, unless I'm going to watch it with like with my niece or something. Probably not going to sit down and watch a Pixar movie. But that one uh, might be the only Pixar movie in my collection right now, actually. Okay. Because um, I love it. I think it's it's a really well-crafted movie. Anyway, I'm going on for too long about random things. 
Um, was there anything else you wanted to add for character development before we move on? Nope. All right. Uh, so then that's going to bring us to the third of the five subcategories, and that is character arcs. And the way I define this one is, do the characters change throughout the movie based on their inner needs and or outer goals? Um, so this one, I had a little bit of a hard time picking something. I'm not, I don't know how happy I am with my pick. Um, so why don't you go first? <laughs> okay. Are you sure you don't want to go first? Well... All right, I'll go first because it'll it'll be pretty short. I don't have too much to say about it. Um, I think it's Titanic, which um, okay. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that pick. I just, I mean, honestly, I really wanted to go with like Thor, but I used that as an example last week. Yeah. Or I say last week. I'm pretty sure these are going to post on the same day. Um, but I use that as an example in the writing plot and genre for outer goals and and bridesmaids. I used for character inner needs. Um, but I think those are better examples, but I didn't want to reuse them. Right. Uh, but as far as Titanic goes, I just think it's obviously the outer goals on the surface are very simple. Survive the ship sinking. Right. But with the character of Rose specifically, she has, you know, much more of a, you know, she has this inner need of needing to like escape her family and find her own identity and find her version of, of the life she wants to lead. Like that's very much so even more so than the ship sinking, I would argue that is the driving force of the movie. The ship sinking just kind of happens to be the backdrop where this takes place, you know? Right. Um, so in that regard, I thought her character arc was really strong as far as, you know, using her relationship with Jack to learn new things about herself, learn what she wants out of life and escape her family, start fresh. Um, and she does have an arc. It's very, I mean, it's James Cameron. It's a very basic Romeo and Juliet with a happy ending-ish. That's not a happy ending, but they don't both die, so <laughs> happier ending. But yeah, he's, you know, tends to reuse the same very basic stories and have very theatrical, thematic uh, backdrops to them. Yeah. So that's why I'm not the happiest with this pick, because the script in general is pretty basic. But I think it does... You know, he, he, he knows his fundamentals, and... A solid character arc is a fundamental of screenwriting, and he made sure it was there with the character of Rose. So that's why I picked it. I had more to say than I thought. So, <laughs> All right. Yeah. Sounds good. How about you? I chose Thor. All right. It's just the, the most obvious one to me. Yeah. I, um, yeah. Like, that's that's what the movie is about. Absolutely. And it's like, shoves it in your face <laughs> um, from the very first scene. Um, yeah, I don't even think it needs any more explanation. It's Thor. Yeah, if you need more explanation, go back and listen to our review of it, because we definitely get yeah. into it. Man, how many times, every chance I get, I'm like, just listen to our Thor review, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but. It is pretty amazing. It's, it's a good review, and I stand by it, because so many people don't like Thor. Um, alright, anything else you want to, you want to add to that? Go back and listen to our podcast. <laughs> uh, no, that's it. All right. Uh, so that's going to bring us to the fourth subcategory for the writing characters category, which is going to be character likability. Pretty simple one to define. Do you like or love to hate the characters? That's really all it comes down to. Yeah. Um, or another way of phrasing, I guess, is do you like or dislike the characters in the ways you are supposed to and in ways that are enjoyable? I don't know why I requestioned it like that, because that was less eloquently <laughs> phrased. 
Um, but what did you, what do you have to say for character likability? I chose Cartman from South Park. Not as a likable character. Right, but as a love to hate. (laughs) Even though it kind of went without saying, I'm glad you specified. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. I just couldn't think of anything else. And that one seems like a good choice. Uh, Cartman is pretty evil. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know what else to say. (laughs) All right. For my pick, this is another one... I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a U for the next two categories actually, and uh, I'm gonna say the movie I originally picked, but then I'm gonna change my mind and go with the TV show because I I keep forgetting that that I have allowed that to be an option. Um, so I originally picked Amelie because because oh. that is a movie where I just absolutely adore every character in that movie, and I just it's just a charming, sweet, lovely movie that I can't get enough of and it's because of the characters more than anything I mean of course like the cinematography and all of that is is phenomenal but you can have the prettiest movie in the world and if the characters aren't likable you're not going to keep coming back to it right maybe get a poster of it or something you know but um, at least for me I'm not going to keep coming back to a movie if I can't stand the characters Ooh, I just thought of a better example for a movie with bad characters as I said that I'm going to save that um, <laughs> so, so yeah, so I originally picked Amelie, but I think I'm going to change that answer to any Paul Scher sitcom. Parks and Rec and The Good Place. Probably Parks and Rec a little bit more than The Good Place, because The Good Place, yeah. uh, not necessarily supposed to be the most likable characters all the time, That's... although you love them anyway. So, I mean, yeah. it still works, but I think, I think Parks and Rec is my official answer. That's a good one. Um, That's a really good one. I mean, Leslie Nope, like, legitimately is my hero and like in life I'm like I, my my goal in life is to be as much like Leslie Nope as possible <laughs> because she's just amazing and and every character on that show is likable and it's just like man I just feel good about like I feel good about myself and good about the world and like everything just feels good when you watch that show it's just happy and it's because of the characters like yeah you know it's not the situations that they get in and it's not anything else it's just it's the characters <laughs> right um so yeah parks and rec for sure good choice thank you all right so then the last subcategory is gonna be dialogue this one's again pretty easy to define it's basically is it funny emotional or believable in the right ways or quantities given the story being told doesn't even really need that explanation just is the dialogue good is really all the explanation right. you need for this subcategory um, so what what movie or TV show would you give a high score for dialogue to? Well, my choice is a movie and a TV show. I chose Serenity and Firefly. Okay, good choice. It's just got that classic... Uh, I can't believe I forgot his name. Joss Whedon? Joss Whedon. The classic <laughs> Joss Whedon wit and humor. And the dialogue is unique to this universe. It's different than anything else I've seen before. And... It just stands out as the obvious choice for me for funny, emotional, believable dialogue. All right. Solid pick. Uh, so for my pick, again, I, uh, I originally thought of a movie and then realized a TV show is the better answer. Uh, initially, I picked Napoleon Dynamite. Okay. Um, largely because it is probably the most quotable movie I've ever seen. And yeah. like the people are weird and they say weird things, but like they're super quotable and it feels believable within that world, even though it's, like, the yeah. most ridiculous dialogue ever. Um, I almost so it, chose that movie. 
Yeah? Yeah. Well, then I, I feel good about that choice, except it's not actually my choice because I thought <laughs> of something better. Um, when we're talking about, about TV shows, I realized I had to go with 30 Rock as my official answer. Okay, yeah. Because um, that's definitely a show where just the dialogue is so clever and so quick and just every single sentence is packed with something like i've seen every episode dozens of times well, maybe not do- maybe a dozen times I- i've seen each episode a lot yeah and every single time i hear at least at least one joke probably like 10 jokes that i hadn't heard before and yet it all feels so natural to the world right it's not like you're listening to it and it's like oh come on lay off the jokes like you know it's it it just comes across so naturally and it's such a wide variety of jokes like there's political stuff in there there's satire in there there's slapstick in there like every single type of humor you can think of there's just completely random like there there was a water bug on my channel changer like (laughs) who talks like that but but kenneth does and that joke is amazing so yeah so 30 rock just for i mean it's also very specifically my sense of humor and my my taste so definitely biased there, but as far as the dialogue goes, I think that's that's got to be my answer. Yeah. All right. So then that brings us to the fun one. Um, bad examples of writing characters, and I should specify um, the reason I don't go through and do bad examples for every single subcategory. First of all, that would make for a really long mini episode. And second of all, I try to be a little more positive. Um, I explained a little bit more in detail in the uh, character plot and genre mini episode. I'm not going to re-explain it in every episode. But if anybody is wondering why we don't give more bad examples, that's why. I just try to be more positive than negative. But I do think it's important to give to give the flip side as far as, you know. So, okay, so these are the kind of things that we look for uh, when it comes to something that's good. Right. So what would get a bad score? So this example is just something that, you know, out of all five of these, if you scored it, averaged it together, this movie would get below a five uh, total for for all the subcategories. So with that said, what was your example of bad writing that you thought of immediately? It's a movie that came out this year. It is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. That's a good pick. Those characters were so stereotypical, so yeah. one-dimensional, so bland, just shitty. Yeah. And even more so than in the first Jurassic World, which was already not yeah. that great. I mean, I, I kind of love the first Jurassic World. It's nowhere near as good as Jurassic Park, but it's, right. still, it's like a fun, nostalgic romp. Yeah. But, oh, man. I could keep going, but I don't want to completely side rail your response. So. No, that's it. That's like <laughs> uh, those characters are just shit. Yeah, they're so terrible, and you're supposed to like feel for them and agree with them, and I don't know, identify with them or something. And and I didn't. No, not even a little bit. Oh man, that movie was bad. I have not been that disappointed walking out of a theater. Probably since since one of my answers for this category, <laughs> which was Thor Dark World. Okay. Yeah. Thor Dark World. Um, well, that was, I guess we're, we're transitioning, if that's okay with you, into yeah. my answers. So my answers, originally I put down two, which was Thor Dark World and Iron Man 2, both for the okay. same reason. They were both sequels to movies where I really liked these characters in the first movie, and then in the second movie could not stand any of them. 
And that was true for both of them. More so with Thor Dark World, because as we've established, we both loved yeah. the first Thor so much. I love the first Iron Man too, but not quite in the same way. So to make me be like actively disliking these characters that I liked so much before was particularly upsetting and uh, did not score well in either of these. Uh, but then as we were talking and I had mentioned something about, uh, you know, you can make a movie look as pretty as you want, but I'm not going to keep coming back to it if the characters are unlikable, made me remember Birdman, which is that in a nutshell. Oh, yeah, you did not like the characters in that. I did not like the movie at all. I mean, it's it's a, a technical masterpiece. Like, it's yeah. technically speaking, it looks amazing. And it's the, you know, the way they pulled it off is phenomenal. And I, I respect the filmmaking behind it so much. But I'm, I'm sure I'll probably review it on the podcast at some point. And aside from that, I'll probably never watch it again. I mean, I own it, weirdly. Like, I liked yeah. I liked the technical aspect enough to be like, this should probably be in my collection. But then I look at it and I'm like, I dread the idea of ever watching it again. I was so miserable watching all of these miserable people because it was just every single one. I mean, probably inner needs and character arcs, maybe, if I'm recalling, would get a little higher. Uh, maybe even character development. But the character likability and the dialogue would be so low just because... Yeah. It was like, oh my god, I hate these characters. Stop talking, stop yelling at each other. Oh my god. Yeah. It was a miserable experience. For me, I mean, I particularly get tense in movies where it's just people fighting all the time. I don't fight. I don't mind movies that are not necessarily happy. I don't mind movies that have, you know, grimness to it. I don't mind dark. But I don't like fighting. I don't want to watch people fight for two hours. That's not enjoyable to me. I've avoided those kind of toxic relationships in my real life. I don't want to introduce it <laughs> right. into my my enjoyment of, you know, going to watch movies. Right. I don't like it. Um, so that's kind of my personal bias, I guess, against movies like that. I'm like, I don't mind dysfunctional families. Just don't yell at each other for two hours. I don't mind dysfunctional families in movies. <laughs> Let me specify. In movies. Um, anyway, so that was my, I guess, uh, three examples for bad examples of writing characters that was easier than i thought i, I thought it was gonna be harder <laughs> yeah all right so now that we've gone through every subcategory of the grid given good examples given bad examples i want to wrap this up with a fun question that i think uh i think this is going to be pretty fun to talk about although i think we're probably just like last week um, or last episode i keep saying that um i think we're gonna have similar answers but who is your favorite fictional character well there was quite a few to choose from i didn't choose anyone from star trek the next generation because i chose that as my last okay one um but i narrowed it down to two people one is spock okay <laughs> uh the other is max fisher from the movie rushmore okay good choice very specific choice i wasn't expecting that but yeah. i like it uh, care to elaborate on on one or both of those? Uh, Spock, because Spock is Spock. Uh, Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, he's a really cool, interesting person. Uh, I would like to hang out with him. I don't know if role model is the right word, but in many ways it is. For I me mean, I called Leslie Note my role model. Yeah. Or no, I called her my hero. I don't remember what I called her. They're all applicable. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Spock. That uh, was my first choice. Uh, but then Max Fisher, the kid from Rushmore, uh, it just has a lot of enthusiasm. He's a really cool person. 
Yeah, just another favorite character of mine. All right, fair enough. Uh, so I had a, a bit of a hard time. I I feel like I can't pick a character from a show that I have not seen every episode ever made of. Of course. Um, that said, my first instinct was to... I had two... I guess these wouldn't be a first instinct then. Two, two initial responses. The first is Jedzia Dax from Ooh, Deep yeah. Space Nine. That's a good one. Technically, uh, I'm a really bad Trekkie because I have not finished Deep Space Nine yet. Um, and I, I, that show has been around long enough. There's uh, spoilers floating around out there, if you can even call it spoilers, after 30 years. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I know there's a few things coming up with that character. So I'm kind of like, okay, I should probably hold off till I know how that, uh, <laughs> you know, what happens with that character before I, you know, officially declare her as a favorite. But that said, I do think she's phenomenally interesting and and definitely one of those characters where, uh, again, just like you said, like, role model seems a little strong. And yet I'm like, yeah, I kind of like watch the show. and I'm like, man, I wish I was more like Dax. Yeah. Like, she's yeah. just I mean, she's just so open to, to everything. Yeah. Like whether it's, you know, other cultures or. I guess it's just different versions of other cultures, like whether it's food or games or, you know, different relationships she has yeah. with people, like just everything about her is like, yeah, why wouldn't you do this? Just try it. Like it, sure. Live eels. And yeah, like if you think it's delicious, I'll probably think it's delicious. Hey, you were right. That was delicious. Like yeah. she'll just try whatever. And she's just, uh, she's just fearless and open-minded and doesn't give a fuck what anybody else thinks. And I love that. Um, and then the whole symbiote, not quite eternal life, but, <laughs> you know, several yeah. lifetimes of knowledge um, and, you know, that her existence, like she, she's this symbiote that has several generations of experiences, but also she's Jadzia, who is just one lifetime of experience. And it's this fusion. I just find that fascinating. I think it's really interesting. But I couldn't pick her because I haven't seen every episode of, of Next Generation <laughs> or of uh, Deep Space Nine. My second choice is one that technically I have seen every episode of this show that has been made thus far, but hopefully there's going to be many, many more episodes. And that's Janet from The Good Place. Um, okay, yeah. I, I feel like we've talked about The Good Place quite a bit, and I feel like it's going to come up even more in future mini episodes. So I'm not going to go into too much detail, especially since she's not even my official pick. Um, but I just think she's really, she's just interesting. And I don't know, I guess that's really, I, I tend to have, this kind of goes into my, what my actual answer ended up being. Um, although I was, I was talking about Leslie Nope, I'm like, I think Leslie Nope really should be my answer. Um, but I tend to go with more fantastical. Yeah. I don't know. She's too realistic to be considered my favorite for some, like, that's a weird line I draw apparently. But yeah, I, I tend to have a fascination with characters who are, almost human but not quite and then like okay. have to discover what it means to be human like i just i tend to i star trek is full of characters like that yeah and you have janet and i feel like they thought of someone else that had a similar storyline but just just that idea of like oh here's this robot here's this not hologram it, well, <laughs> well i'm not talking about janet but i mean i like in general oh, like, okay. like here like here's data a, or... exactly yeah, yeah here yeah data would be a good example the doctor who who incidentally is my answer because oh. uh, i have seen every episode of voyager and i love the doctor um so i guess i'm going to transition right into that because it's for all the same reasons he's just 
you know, here's this hologram designed for one very specific purpose to be a doctor in an emergency situation and be turned off after a day or two. Right. That is his purpose. You can't even say it's his purpose in life because he has no life. Right. Like he is a computer program designed for this one thing. And then, oh, we're stranded in space, which is also a trope I'm obsessed with. I love that story of Voyager's my favorite. I, <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of heat for that because I know a lot of people hate it. I'm like, that's the one I grew up on. That's the one I like. It's got all the tropes I love. I love the Lost in Space. I love the Doctor. I love Seven of Nine because she's also got that same kind of storyline. Right. Only with her, it's particularly interesting because she was human. Then she was something else. Now she has to become human again. I love it. So much good stuff. Um... Man, now I just want to sit down and watch a bunch of uh, Voyager. (laughs) Yeah, I just love that idea of like, you know, here's what you were designed for, but you can do other things. Like, it's not just what you're designed for. It's what do you want to do and do it, find ways to do it, adapt, change, learn, grow. These are mostly synonyms, but like it's... (laughs) You know, it's an extreme example with the doctor because he was... I mean, he doesn't even have a name. He's the doctor he's an emergency hologram simulation like that's that's all and then it turns out he loves opera who programmed him to do that nobody he just he loves opera and he loves is it photography i think he loves photography it's been a while since i've watched any episodes the operas for some reason and piano i think he plays piano but yeah he just has all of these interests in life that he just decides like this seems interesting to me. I'm going to go after it and pursue it, even though everything around me is telling me I should only be interested in medicine. Right. That should be all I care about. But you know what? I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. I'm going to form friendships. He should not even be able to do that, but he just decides, like, oh, this is important. I want to do this. Oh, now my life is better, and I've learned from the people around me. I've learned new interests. It's fascinating, and I think there's there's something... I mean, obviously that's an extreme example, but I think there's something that, that everybody can learn from that of like, oh, like here's, here's my lot in life here, whether it be, you know, like I, I, you know, I don't know, I, I can't think of actual <laughs> examples apparently, but like, you know, whatever your lot in life is, whatever circumstances are around you would lead you to believe like, oh, here's my, here's my existence. Here's what my life is going to be. But you can go outside of that. You can find other interests, find relationships, meet people, help, like, let people shape your interests and make you a better person, which is really, I mean, that's what The Good Place is all about, too. Like, no wonder I love that show so much. The whole show is yeah. is about that, is about how relationships can change you and make you a better person. And I love it. I can't get enough of it. Hence me going on for way too long. <laughs> um, so anyway, I asked this question... Well- Oh, go ahead. Um, since you gave three, can I give my third one really quick? Of my course. Third, my third choice. Doesn't even or have to be really quick. Uh, Lisa Simpson. Solid choice. She's very intelligent. She's very caring. She's very driven for an eight-year-old, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just. That is a solid choice. One of my favorite fictional characters. For some reason, my instinct is like, I like Marge Simpson more, but I agree with everything you said and... I don't know what Marge, like, I don't know what my argument would be for Marge, but I don't know. I've always loved Marge Simpson. Yeah. I don't know why. She doesn't make the best life choices now that I'm thinking about it. (laughs) Anyway, so I asked this question to Twitter and got a few responses. It was pretty fun. All right. So at Cameron Van Sant, we had quite the 
the back and forth. He had a, a very hard time picking someone, which is a struggle I completely relate to because uh, I had a very similar struggle. Uh, but he settled on, or not settled on, decided on uh, an X-Men character that I had never heard of, um, M, a.k.a. Monet. Uh, and he explains, basically her backstory is a terribly written clusterfuck and she is very petty and very strong and basically doesn't get to do anything because they accidentally wrote her as overpowered. <laughs> so, all right interesting choice and yeah and he, he posted a picture she looks pretty badass and i am intrigued to learn more about her because i i do love the x-men but i definitely am only familiar with the big players like I'm, I'm not very well versed in the more obscure characters i love this response as well at embers wood responded with sophia from golden girls <laughs> <laughs> Quick ride, zero fucks to give. She was a role model for my grade school self. I mean, who wouldn't want to have a late night gossip session with her, especially when there's a freshly baked pie present? Awesome. I have to admit, I think I've only seen the pilot of Golden Girls. Uh, a friend of ours gave us the complete series on DVD because she moved out of state and, and was downsizing. And we watched, maybe we watched a couple episodes, but that was the first time I had ever seen it. And that's still all I've seen. Uh, but I know a lot of people who were really influenced by it in, in their younger years. And I think I need to watch some more. Um, yeah, it's a good show. Yeah. Um, so that was a great response. Uh, I mean, they're all great responses. I don't know why I'm saying that after each one. But I love that response. And let's see. At One Way Lane says... Uh, my favorite character has changed so often, it's crazy. I love and hate everyone equally, but since I'm on a Haunting of Hill House binge for the third time this month, I have to say Theo, lesbian psychic. Enough said. Uh, I wish I had seen that show. I still have not. You're not a big fan of horror, so it will probably be a while before I get around to it. Um, yeah. I've heard mixed things. My cousin apparently can't stand it and thinks it's just the worst thing ever written. Um, but I think he's just mad. It's not like the book. So I don't know. Uh, everyone else I think has had really good things about it. So I need to watch it eventually. Um, and then the last response, uh, you will, you will appreciate this one. I think at always funny pod responded. Of course I have to say Charlie Kelly, the wild card would be a very, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the wild card would be a very entertaining, hardworking and relatively cheap friend. <laughs> To which I responded. Apparently, I'm proud enough of my response to read it. Can't argue with that. Just stock up on just stock up on little green ghouls. Learn how to cook milk steak and brush up on your bird law, and you'll have a friend for life. <laughs> I was pretty proud of that response. Little green ghouls, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think that is uh, about gonna wrap everything up. Is there anything else? you would like to add uh, in general or specific to anything we've said so far about writing characters? No, I think we had a bit more to say than I expected. We had yeah. a hard time narrowing it down to just one. A lot of these. Yeah. Although this was still quite a bit shorter than the first episode, at least before editing. Hmm. Um, so there's that, I guess. All right. So then on that note, I guess I'm going to uh, play us out with Crosby, Stills and Nash's version of Everybody's Talking. Because I've been randomly obsessed with that song and uh, without a movie to guide the music selection, I've just been picking random shit. So here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Uh, thanks so much for listening to this mini nitty gritty review episode. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. We'll be posting another mini episode next week. I actually think we'll be posting two a week, uh, but the next one is going to be acting and casting. And season two launches with all new episodes starting January 9th. If you liked what you heard this episode, be sure to contribute to the conversation. Gritty Films can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram with the handle at Gritty Films. You can also email us at grittyfilms.com. Or, sorry, nope, you can also email us at grittyfilms at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear what movies would get perfect hands for you. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. In the shadows of-